much everywhere in the Bible, but um, Jonah 1 is where we'll spend a little time. You know, if you've ever, if you've ever done any visiting at, uh, especially Duke Hospital, the, the, the old one, the main one, whatever you want to call it, and um, you, you'll learn in the parking deck that um, people cannot drive at all. And worse than that, they, they cannot park at, oh, she's having an experience. Now, I was one of those kids, you know, like kindergarten age, who struggled to color in the lines, you know, but I keep my car, right? I'll do this thing. It's radical. Are y'all ready? Thinking here? I, like, if I pull in and I'm not right, I'll do this thing. It's crazy. I'll back up and do it again. I know it's revolutionary. And people can't handle this. I know some of y'all are so guilty. Right now you're getting angry. You want to leave church. I saw you. I watched. I came in late this morning. I hid down by them cedar trees. You know. Preaching to that one. Preaching to that one. People, Walmart. You know, there's really people who need handicap spots. Did y'all know that? I saw a lady get out. I, I, I've got a house guest for two weeks. And I've gone to Walmart more since they've been at my house in the last nine days than I went all of 2018 combined. I've taken it. And listen, the other day a lady parked a car in the van spot, hung up her handicap thing, got out of the car, and sprinted into Walmart. I said, oh, yeah. You needed that spot, didn't you, lady? What would it be like, though, if we had no lines out there? What would it be like? If somebody said, wow, you're exactly right. That is the technical answer. Wow. Right? You, it would be chaos. Somebody's going, what has any of this got to do with anything the Lord? What if I told you that a little tiny illustration will often open a big truth to you? If we don't have some sort of vision and a shared vision, what we generally will do, even if we do it nicely, is live in unorganized chaos. We just will. When I was stationed in South Korea, the driving rules are what I'll call different. And you pull up to a stoplight, let's say it's supposed to be three cars wide, they would get six wide and you drag race to the other side. <laughs> now that was sort of entertaining, but it, it was terrible, right? And here's what I tell you. I tell you as a local church and as a household, you need a vision that is clearly articulated that is corporately accepted, and that you're passionate about pursuing. If not, even if you're really nice, you'll live in an organized, undirected chaos. And as we turn the calendar, I think the Holy Spirit led me to put together this message this morning to attempt to show you guys, or to to seed, I don't know about I'm showing you, that the Holy Spirit might seed in you, Some desire for vision from God that will put you on your face and get you asking God. Asking God, what is it that you're calling my family to and how do we pursue that? Now, I'm not against New Year's resolutions. You ought to make them. You know, some of y'all, us, us, 
Definitely need to be skinnier. <laughs> need to read more, watch TV less, quit smoking, uh, start smoking something. No, I'm just kidding, kidding. Just, I got family that's a farm tobacco. They need some new people to pick up bad habits. Anyway, um, kidding, guys. Come on. I'm not down in that sort of thing, but most of the time New Year's resolutions steam out somewhere around Martin Luther King Jr. Day, that first day you get off work again, <laughs> and it all falls apart. But does anybody in here own a gym? Please make New Year's resolutions and buy some memberships. They'll, they'll appreciate you. Anyway, I want to look in the Bible this morning about prophetic vision. Why? Because it's bigger than parking lots. It's about finding your name in the Lamb's book of life and hearing the Lord say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen. That's what I want to hear. So before we get into Jonah, I want to look at this verse in Proverbs. And I've, I've put together this. Thing. I've done it in several translations because I wanted us to look at this just by way of intro in several word formations. The English Standard Version says, where there is no pro- prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. The NIV puts it like this, where, is there, where there's no revelation, people cast off restraint. Now, now, you need to understand a little bit about prophetic vision. It's that thing where God gives you the, it's, but you know, God gave it to you. You get it from God. Even if it's been plainly stated in the word for thousands of years, he gives it to you. In other words, he opens your understanding. He lets you see it. He gives you, he gives you a glimpse into what it, not just that it is in a literary form, you know, sentences, paragraph, but that what it means and what it means to him and what it means for you, because it's not what it means to you. It has a meaning, but it's what it means for you, not to you. And then what it'll mean if you follow or don't follow it. So you see this idea is spelled out in the NIV as revelation, where there's, where there's no clue from God, where you haven't gotten a clue from God, you will do whatever you want to do. Somebody just ought to say amen right there. If you've ever read your Bibles, you know that's exactly what we saw in Genesis chapter number 6. Right before the flood, the Bible says that every man did what was right according to his own way. Every man did what, oh my goodness. Any of you ever supervised employees when they just doing whatever they think they ought to do? Man, they'll make you pray. Or how about the New Living Translation? When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild, but whoever obeys the law is joyful. The boundaries of God, church, get this, get ready, get ready to say amen, warm it up, wind it up, you ready? Where, you know, all of God's boundaries are meant for you to enjoy all of God's blessings. Amen. Whoever obeys the law is what, church? Read it from the New Living Translation. Joyful. Joyful. Well, there's no vision, the NASB says. The people are, look at this. That's a, that's a word, isn't it? Unrestrained. But happy is he who keeps it all. I'll never forget going in the, I was called, it was a My Life Matter guy to come help with nursery at a church. So a whole group of us went over. They were having a big event all day long. We took shifts. And I walked in there. 
And this little boy looked like one of those super balls. He was going every which way, you know. He was just bouncing. And I said, what all have y'all done to him? <laughs> and turns out they had had snack time and the parent had forgot to tell them that this boy can have zero caffeine. Zero. And they'd given him this magical potion called Mountain Dew. Homeboy was tripping. He was unrestrained. I said, where is the padded room in this church building? Let's me and him go there. He was all right. He just needed to blow off that steam, I reckon. Don't we see a society that does not have divine guidance, that does not have prophetic vision, that does not have revelation, that is running wild, doing what is in their own sight, unrestrained? Don't we see it? And I'm going to tell y'all something. I know y'all is one of these churches that does a lot of voting. That don't fix it. Just because you can get a a larger pile of folks to say they're going to do something versus this pile of folks does not make that thing right. You think about all the things we call lawful in this world that God would call immoral. So what do you need? You need prophetic vision. You don't need to be unrestrained and you don't need to leave it up to simply the workings of men. Or how about how it says in the good old King James Bible where there is no vision. This this is sort of scary to me. The people do what? Look at it. There's some things worse than dying. Did y'all know that? To me, the worst thing, the thing that's, as my grandfather would say, worser, worser than dying is being cut off from the living God. So you can see societies culturally flourishing who are dead on the vine when it comes to spiritual matters because they have no prophetic vision. Where there's no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Or the Holman Bible says, without revelation, people run wild, but one who listens to instruction will be happy. I hope I've set this up. You you can go even look at some other paraphrases and translations, and there's a ton of nuance in this one verse. But what does it basically mean? If you ain't got a living that's coming from God, you'll get a living that's coming from most anywhere, and it won't work out real good. I put it in the person county paraphrase. So what do we need today? We need prophetic vision. And it starts with prophetic vision that shows us condition. We need to see the condition that the world is in. We need to see the condition that our community in is in. We need to see the commi- condition that our, our, our church is in. Amen. We need to see the condition that our associations in. You know, I pastor East Rock Community Church, and I don't know if y'all know this, but besides working for My Life Matters, I'm in a local church that's in the same association. I proudly call Clement Baptist Church my church home. Proudly. All the Clement folks say Amen. I was at Bears Grove Baptist Church for seven years. We, we need to understand the condition that the movement of the Southern Baptist Convention is in, the North Carolina State. In other words, the people of God need to get about the business of God, and we need to see the condition that things are in, and that's where we need to turn our pickaxes and shovels to. Amen. We need prophetic vision that shows condition. So let me start here in Jonah chapter 1 and verse number 1. 
Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for that evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Father, as we open your word, God, we've begun with a long introduction. And Father, it's probably my mistake, my fault that we didn't pray beforehand. But Father, I'm appealing to you now. I need divine revelation. I need prophetic vision. My family needs it. My, my local church needs it. This local church needs it. Our association needs it. Father God, our community needs people who see and understand what is up and what you're doing and who will turn a passionate hand to the work of the Lord. But we won't become convinced of that unless your Holy Spirit moves among us in a dramatic way. Lord, many of these young folks think they are woke because they understand global warming or something. But God, there's a divine woke. We need eyes to see and hearts to understand. We need minds inclined to things above, and we will not count them worthy unless you give us vision. So move and work as only you can move and work and give us understanding beyond intelligence. In Jesus I pray. And people help me by saying, Amen. Amen. What I find interesting here is we, we look at this, this, this particular point. We need prophetic vision. In other words, you need to see what is before you'll even consider what you ought to do and what your part is. Like it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy when I walk in my house and the trash can is overrunning. You didn't need prophetic vision. When you went over there and it was full, snatch that thing up by them strings and head out the door. You walk by litter. And my office, it drives me crazy. It's one hallway, it's Main Street. Everybody walks down it all the time. Something's laying in the floor. How many people walk by? I'm not talking about what's simple, but in a way I am. If you see something simple, get to work on it. Somebody say amen. 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 It's certain things like in your local church, nobody ought not tell you how to do. Amen. Nobody ought not have to nominate you and elect you to do right. Huh? Amen. It switched from amen to owe me then, didn't it? <laughs> Ain't nobody ought to have to beg you to witness, beg you to give. And I'm not being mean. I'm not, I just want to get past that common sense thing. There's a lot of this stuff that is common sense, general directed. I sure wish the Lord would show me his plan for my life. Be faithful. Give. Witness. Disciple your children, your grandchildren. That's stuff he's given everybody. Amen. Everybody do this. Everybody do this. Point at me. Go Do it. Play along. I'm not going to get you to raise your hand above your shoulders. Don't get nervous. <laughs> I ain't going to make you Pentecost. Point at me. Now point at your neighbor. All right, point back at me. And it, everything ain't my job. Point this way. Everything ain't their job. That's whose job it is. Amen. <laughs> Got y'all, didn't I? <laughs> I come from McGee's Mill. We figure things out. Simple, boy. I'm here to tell you. I'm not even talking about that stuff. 
I'm talking about stuff that God has to just flat out show you. And, and the thing is, God says, I have, I have great and mighty things. I will show you things that you know not of. And if God is promising you that, why, when's the last time you ask him for it? Church, come on, somebody tell me. When's the last time you say, God, show me? Jonah didn't ask it. God did it anyway. So what does God do? God shows him a vision of the condition of Nineveh. And he basically has this super intelligence response to it. I ain't going to do it. I don't like Nineveh. I don't want to go over there. Boom. Jonah rose to flee. God shows him something. What does he do? I wonder how many times you've been listening to a sermon. You've been reading your devotions. You've been studying your Sunday school lesson. You, you, you know, you've been riding down the road listening to Jay Vernon McGee or somebody. And, and the Lord shows you something. And, and you don't go jump on the ship. But you quietly say in your heart, ain't going to do it. That's for someone somewhere. When God's saying that's for you. Right here. Back it up one slide, my, my, my presentation, friend. Look at what I put in yellow here. This is my emphasis. For the evil has come up before me. That's a funny, that's a funny verse to translate from the Hebrew. Another very fair translation would be for the, their disaster had been shown. Their disaster has been shown. In other words, even though Nineveh was powerful and prosperous, they were separated from the presence of God, and that was a disaster. Do you all know the greatest disaster in Person County is not who's Republican or who's Democrat, whether your kid goes to Person or RCS, whether you pull up a state or, 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 the, or, or Duke or Carolina, or whether you drive a Ford or a Chevrolet, or whether you believe in dog hunting or tree stand hunting. None of those things that consume so much of our time are the biggest issue. The biggest issue is this 402 square miles, over 120 established churches, and the majority of our citizens are lost and undone, separated from the living God. <laughs> Parents spend more time and money teaching their children hobbies than they do inculcating them with holiness. We are more concerned about who likes what we put on Facebook than who comes to love the living God. We are in the midst of a moral disaster, and I say that while firmly believing I live in the best place on the face of the planet. That's right. I've been all over the world, and I love Person County. If you love Person County, say amen. Amen. I also like Halifax all the way up to about Dan River. After that, you can have it. <laughs> Tell everybody over I said it. I don't care. <laughs> Are y'all with me? Yes. Y'all going to have to work with me now. If I'm going to get done on time, you better push me with some amen, and I'm that kind of preacher. So what does God do in Jonah's life? God gives him a prophetic condition, a prophetic vision. He shows him. He says, this is the problem in Nineveh. But Jonah begins to react by saying, I don't want to go over there. I don't want to do it. I don't want to lose my comfort. So he, he, he rose to flee. Now, he thinks, I'm just fleeing from Nineveh. Who was he really fleeing from, church? God. 
Now, when God shows him the problem in Nineveh, Jonah says, I ain't going to do it. And when Jonah takes off to run away from the Lord, the Lord says, you ain't going to do it. I firmly believe that a lot of us live in quiet desperation simply because we're always trying to get God to rubber stamp what we're doing rather than getting on our knees and saying, what would you have me do? Families do that. You know, individuals do it, families do it, <coughs> local churches do it. Let's do everything. And I'm not against tradition. I love tradition. I love tradition when it works. I love tradition when it, when it cultivates worship, right? But I don't love tradition when it's just a habit because anything that becomes empty and meaningless is empty and meaningless. I don't even know Teresa Baptist Church's schedule, but I guarantee it would create an uproar if you moved the annual revival meeting from this month to that month. Oh, Lord, we ain't never done it that way. <laughs> we going to die. And it's not because it's Teresa, okay? It's because we're people. I mean, you know what I'm saying? We decided at East Rock to, to have our cantata tonight rather than two weeks ago. My guys, the songs will be the same. It's all right. I'm just wondering when the last time we said, God, we're willing for divine interruption because we'll receive prophetic vision because you have shown us the condition of the world and we'll serve you even if it really, really changes our life. Amen. Even if it radically makes us radically uncomfortable. When was the last time you said, God, show me what's up in Person County. Show me what's up in my family. God, really give me a vision. Not only do we need prophetic vision that reveals the condition, we need prophetic vision that reveals a plan. I'll, I'll turn our attention to Nehemiah here real quick. Nehemiah got a prophetic vision. He, he heard that the people had gone back to, to Israel and particularly to to Jerusalem, but they couldn't get the temple rebuilt. They were hounded and harassed by outside forces, and it troubled him. It troubled him so much that he commenced to fasten and praying, and he was fasting and praying so hard that people could tell he was troubled on the inside. He finally was asked by his employer, who happened to be a king, boy, what's wrong with you? He tells him what the Lord has revealed to him. And then he gets a plan. And he goes there and he goes around the city and he says, you know, he just takes a look at it. And what he's really doing is saying, Lord, I, show me how it is and then show me what to do. Lord, show me how it is and then show me what to do. When was the last time you took your whole family down to the altar? And said, God, show us how we are. And then however we are, show us what to do. You ever thought about that? When's the last time Theresa Baptist Church has called for a season of prayer and fasting where you come together and said, God, show us how we are. And then when you show us, show us what to do. When I went to work at My Life Matters, um, uh, March, first week of March, uh, my goodness, how long ago was it? 2006. Every day I would do two things. I would get up. Very early in the morning, 4.30, 4.45, I'd get dressed. I'd ride all over the county, all over the county. 
I come to my office and for five days straight, I did that. I prayed enough based on this passage. I said, Lord, show me how it is and then show me what to do. I, I mean, cause I'm, I'm sharp. I mean, I'm sharp as a baca pig. And I know how to do things, but I didn't want to just do what I could do. I wanted to know what God could do, even if it was something I couldn't do, especially if it was something I couldn't do. So that's what I did. Every morning, I rode around the whole county, praying, praying, praying every day. Went back to my office, fasted, and prayed. God showed me how it is, showed me what to do. Look at what Nehemiah says. Nehemiah says, then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem. That we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good. And also of the words that the king spoken to me. And they said let us rise up and build the wall. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. Nehemiah understood that they couldn't restore the place of offering sacrifice and worship. Until the city was secure from raucous enemies. A lot of times we think, we think. This is the center of activity, and what's happening is we're so busy being assaulted by our culture that even when we step into this place, we're not ready to meet with God. Men, heads of households, men, if you're a man, say amen. Amen. If you're not sure, get with me later. (laughs) Men, if worship isn't happening on your own, it will not happen when you gather with your family and with this family. We have to be ready, right? So Nehemiah comes and tells me, he says, you see what the deal is. But we need to build this wall back up so we can restore that temple. Y'all been working on the temple. Every time you get started, it gets messed up. Here's the real problem. We've got to work on outside things before we get inside things right. I guarantee you as a family, as a local church, I know in my local church, we're only going to be as strong as our parts. And our parts get some strengthening in this place. But really, this is where we reveal our strength, how we, how we worship together. We get our strength Alone and at the family worship place. So Nehemiah says to him, boys, we need to build this wall. What do they do? They say, let's rise up and build a wall. Let's, let's do it. We, we, we came here to rebuild the temple. We want to restore worship. We want to see the presence of God in the center of Israel again. Every time we get started, it gets tore down. He says, what we got to do is build our defenses up so that we can guard our hearts, so that we can rebuild this temple. They said, well, let's do it then. Chapter 4, Nehemiah verse 6 says, So we built a wall, and all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. I won't go through the whole book of Nehemiah, but let me ask you some questions real quick that might make you go home and study the book of Nehemiah. What was between burden and action, a shared vision? Everybody knew something was wrong. How could they work on it? They had to have a shared vision. We need that wall built back up. What was between vision and completed work? A shared opposition. They had to agree on who was their enemy. It was the people trying to stop them. They weren't each other's enemies. That was what I wish we would understand politically in our nation. It's the forces trying to stop us, not one another. Good cookity moogity. What is born from shared vision, shared labor, and shared opposition? They built that wall. They found the law. They read the law. They received conviction. They corporately repented, and they worshiped the Lord. 
We need a vision that shows us the condition we're in. We need a vision that reveals a plan on what to do. And we need a prophetic vision that calls us to personal faith. In other words, that always sounds great when it's somebody ought to do fill in the blank. Sounds great, doesn't it? Somebody ought to do something about that. Why don't you do something about that? I was renting a little place over here on McGee's Mill. I come right by here for work. And I don't know if y'all know it, but right on the other side of that intersection, that ditch is deep. I was driving a Ford Festiva. I was about half this size. If I was this size, I couldn't have gotten that car. If I'd have sat down, it would have flipped over. No, a Ford Fiesta, a little bitty car. Somebody was broke down here. They were on their way to work at CNA. That tells you how long ago this was. I pulled over to, to, uh, to help them. I went up to the intersection, turned around, pulled over to help them. Got them going. They had one of those linkage shifters, and I took a hanger and fixed it, and they got to work. I went to leave, and when I turned around, I went off the road a little too much over here, and that little car flipped right over in that ditch. And I could, I could rock it. I could literally rock the car, but I, I couldn't rock it and drive it. I counted that morning. I'll never forget this. 18 people saw me right there. Didn't even roll down the window and said, boy, you need help. Turns out later on, a couple of them said, I saw you over there in the ditch, but I had to go to work. I was like, I had to go to work too, you dummy. <laughs> H-E-P me, help me. God bless them, finally two teenagers pulled over and helped me. God bless them. I was like 45 minutes late for work by the time somebody helped me. What's my point? All of us, we love to, you know, sort of indicate problems. Look at that, that's bad. Look at that, that's terrible. That's awful. Someone should do something about that. You need that vision that shows you what's really up, and then you need a vision that gives you a plan, but then you need to see your part in it. Amen. And I'm talking your, your, even your own life. I'm talking your family. I'm talking this local church. I'm talking the capital C church all over the world. Moses is a great example because he had to be called out of his ignorance. I'm not using that as an ugly word. I mean, he didn't know, right? Look at your neighbor and say, he didn't know. know. Y'all show is quiet. (laughs) Some of y'all don't know. Thank you. In Hebrews, they sum up Moses' whole life like this. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking for a reward. Let me give you a word there. He said, wait a minute, he lived before Christ. He was looking to the Messiah God would send before we even knew the name of the Messiah that would be sent. He looked toward God's deliverance. Verse 27, by faith... He left Egypt not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. That's prophetic vision, folks. He saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch him. When, when Moses got a vision from God, it changed his whole life, especially when it became personal. Amen. When it became personal. And Hebrews 11 sums up so many stories and chapters about Moses' life in this way. The Bible actually tells you, I wrote it down here somewhere. It actually tells you in, in, uh, in verse number uh, Hebrews 11:23, which I didn't read, that by faith Moses' parents hid him. 
You see that parents' legacy of faith affects legacy of faith. Amen. What's my point? Moses was given a prophetic vision and he saw how the people were mistreated. And he says, man, I think something needs to be done about this. The more he listened to the Lord, he says, oh my goodness, I think I need to do something about this. Somebody out there is thinking, but yeah, God gave him a burning bush. (laughs) He gave you a collection of scrolls that no matter what the enemy has done to it has never been burned out. Don't tell me you ain't got a word from the Lord. But he first began to move before he saw the burning bush. He saw the burning bush 40 years after he cut loose with Pharaoh. Anybody in here 80 years old? About 75 to 85. Raise your hand. Right? 40 years old when he cut loose from Pharaoh. 80 years old when he really got real with the Lord. You, you, You don't retire from serving the Lord. 120 when he left this earth. You don't ever retire from serving the Lord. Amen? Amen. Now, we need a prophetic vision that reveals condition. We need a prophetic vision that causes, that gives us a plan. And we need a prophetic vision that calls us to personal faith. Let me ask you guys a few questions and, and run out of here. I'm, I'm really going to try to go fast. When was the last time you asked God for vision for your life? I'm talking about for your personal life, for your family. When was the last time you submitted yourself to the leadership of God and others he has placed in authority over you? I wish he was here so I could point him out to you and call him by name. But I have this young friend that he was doing an internship with My Life Matters. His name is Austin. He was supposed to work until 2 o'clock on the Friday before Christmas. He finished the chore we gave him to do. It was 1.40. He says, I want something else to do. I says, buddy, it's about time for you to go. He's going to Fruitland in January. He's going to Ohio with his family in between. I says, it's time for you. He said, no, i got 20 more minutes. And I want to work right to the end. I was sort of kidding. I said, all right, take out all the trash in the offices, vacuum all the carpets, and clean both the bathrooms. And I walked out the door. I had an appointment. I came back. It was well beyond 2.30. He was still doing it. I said, buddy, you should have left. He says, no. Something needs doing, and you wouldn't have told me to do it if you didn't have a good reason. I said, oh, my Lord, can I adopt you? (laughs) My house is also quite dirty. Please come over. (laughs) Stay all night. When was the last time that you, you know, looked at your authority structures and says, I'm your man. I'm your woman. Point me. I'll do it. What a radically wild world we would be in if we'd done that. Amen. What is your personal mission in life? What is your family mission? How do you measure success? Answer those questions. How does Teresa Baptist Church measure success? And no, I don't mean by any worldly measure. But let me give you something. I'm going to fly through this. Ugh. I'm going to fly. Before you answer, before you answer how you should measure success, let me give you a huge idea. Don't drift. Now, I won't read this. I had planned to, but I also plan not to talk so long. In Matthew 25, you get that story where the master goes off on a journey, and he gives one servant 10, another servant 5, another servant 2. 
And the guy with 10 succeeds, and the guy with 5 succeeds, the guy with 2 doesn't succeed. And he actually casts him out, takes what it, that 2 that's been given to him, and gives it to the guy with 10. Right? What's my point in this? God, God's giving y'all something. Amen. Each and every one of y'all. Everybody in this room, every person, every family is rich in something. Now, everybody just immediately thought money. And I ain't rich in money. <laughs> everybody here is rich in something. And, and most of us are richer in money than we imagine. Yeah. The average median income of every household in the world is $10,000. That's the whole household. If one of y'all's employers come in tomorrow and says, all y'all's family is going to be cut down to $10,000, you would burn that place down. By many standards, you're rich in money. But what I'm saying is everybody's rich in something. Did you know that? You ever known someone who was humble and every time you was around them, it encouraged you? Rich in humility. You ever met somebody who listened to you? Rich in listening. Everybody's rich. God's giving you something. What are you doing? Don't drift away from God. Don't drift away from his purpose. Me, I have a couple of core things I'm always doing. Concerning people, I want to always be about discipleship. Always. Whether I'm discipling or being discipled. If somebody really, really old, like Steve Evans, says something to me, I want to assume it's something I need to listen to. I want to be discipled. Amen, church? Amen. If I'm sitting with somebody, I want to be discipled and be being discipled. So when it comes to people, I always want to be about discipleship. I don't want to drift. I don't, I don't think that we'll ever drift into holiness. We'll never drift into excellence. Concerning things, I want to steward every resource to alleviate human suffering or promote human flourishing. That's what I want to do with my stuff. With people, I want to be about discipleship, discipling, being discipled. With stuff, I want to, I want to alleviate suffering and I want to promote human flourishing. And my stuff isn't meant just for my comfort. My stuff isn't meant just for me to feel good about me, to look good, to feel good. My stuff is meant, is given to me by God to be a blessing for his work. And when I come back, it's not going to be, did I hold on to it? Is did I use it for the master's richness? Amen. Go down to where it says vision statement, my friend. I can't see who's behind that thing. She's far away and I'm blind. This is, a, this is a vision statement for our local church. I'm not telling you to adopt it. This is where we say, man, are we on track? Do we have a vision for our community, for our county, for our work? To bring people to Jesus and membership in his family, develop them to Christ-like maturity and equip them for their ministry in the church and life mission in the world in order to, you see this, why we do that stuff? Magnify God's name. Amen. We're not trying to build a mega church. We want Jesus to get known. Amen. And so what is the mission? How do we go out and do that vision just like this? I did it. We say this. This is what we want to do. Every week, everybody at East Rock Community Church is on staff. This is what we do. We are people of God becoming fit for the purposes of God that we might be building and sustaining relationships for the glory of God. Why do you want to do, build relationships? To evangelize the world with the good news that Jesus is Savior and King. To equip the saints of God for the work of the ministry. Compelling one another to give, receive, share with the local church, the entire body of Christ, and the rest of the world. To be the hands, feet, and voice of God to those in need. Here's Tim Bose's personal. This is my, in general, this is my mission. 
to present myself to God and say, God, whatever you want to do with me, do it. Amen. As a pastor, East Rock Community Church, as the senior pastor, I even have a pastoral mission statement. I'm not telling y'all to get, you know, pastoral prospects to go by this, but look at mine. Mine says being called of God to love and serve him as an ambassador of the gospel and pastoral ministry. I recognize and affirm that I am a foremost, a herald of truth and a servant of people. Because of this calling, I commit my life to the spiritual success of others. Amen. I am called to be an under-shepherd who will take care of God's sheep. To those who need help, I will help. To those who are lost, I will show them God is the way. To those that hunger for truth, I will feed them God's word. To those who hurt, I will care. To all who need God, I will commend Christ to them in all things. How do I know I'm staying on track? I look. I believe I've received a prophetic vision that pertains to my life, my family, and my ministry. And I, I, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit like Johnny Cash. I keep a close watch on this heart of mine. I keep my eyes wide open all the time. I keep an end out for the ties that bind because he's mine. You bunch of sinners! <laughs> Y'all didn't see that one coming, did you? <laughs> I won't even go through these applications. I, I'm just going to say this. Ask God for a vision, even if it means you've got to fast and pray. I want to challenge you to create, create a mission statement for your life. I, I really challenge you. I challenge you to create one for your family. Are we, are we addressing the deep problems around us, or are we just breathing and being American? If you don't know how or what to do, talk to your leadership. And I believe in lay leadership. Everybody will say amen. amen. I believe in it. I really do. Ask somebody how you can plug in. Most importantly, commit yourself to the Lord. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, be one. Amen. Either drop the title or get to living. Don't settle for doing, don't settle for not doing basketball. I'm not doing nothing bad. I ain't killed nobody. Find out what it means to passionately pursue the calling of being a disciple of Jesus and get after it. Maybe this morning you find yourself being compelled by this and you know you have a solid relationship with the Lord. Well, I'll just ask you a question. When's the last time that you affirmed that he is Lord? Believer, when's the last time you said, you are my Lord, you tell me what to do. Or maybe you've never seen Christianity as exactly what it is. It is a call to a way of life throughout eternity. Amen. It's not a concession for leaving wild living. It is a call for eternal living. And maybe today the Lord is pursuing your heart. And what do you need? You need to believe on that name and receive him. Believe on the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus, who died on Calvary to pay the debt of sin and rose from the grave to defeat the enemy, death. He ascended to the Father where he sat down because his work was approved and finished. And he pleads with the Father for every person. He sends the Holy Spirit to speak to hearts. Maybe today you need to believe on that name and 
all that work and receive him as Lord. The Bible says if anybody who believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth, what's it say, church? They shall be saved. Amen. Today could be your day where you started a prophetic and visionary life where you heard from the Lord and you got busy living for him. Father, as we stand to sing, Father, I pray your Holy Spirit do what only your Holy Spirit can do. Visit each person, each pew, each family. Bring that sweet sort of conviction that not only calls us away from what is not righteous, but calls us to him who is. Lord, give us a huge dose of Jesus. In him we pray. Amen and amen. Our hymn of dedication, of decision is Gentle Mary Laid Her Hand, hymn number 212.